Hi everyone, welcome back to the New Managers Club podcast for episode 5 of this series. As you may know by now, I'm Ali. And I'm Ali. And we also have a very special guest with us today, a HR expert who has over 30 years experience, who will be coming to you a little bit later on for some questions, so look out for that coming very soon. Okay, so who has heard of hybrid working? got to be everyone at this point, right? Well, today we're going to be talking about our experiences of becoming managers in the middle of a literal pandemic. Now, we know and fully accept this very small in the grand scheme of challenges that COVID presented to the world, but there can be no doubt that the pandemic has had a profound impact on our management experiences to date. And today we're going to be telling you all about it. So strap in for some stories and later on we are going to be posing some questions to our expert. So all of our questions from our Instagram followers about this new world of hybrid working that we find ourselves in and how we can tackle some of the challenges that might be ahead. So all that's left to say before we get into it is guess what? It's official. You're part of the club. So, when you become a manager, there's a lot on your plate, right, Molly? And (laughs) even more so when there is a good old pandemic making its way across the world. So, when you became a manager, and this was a year or so into the pandemic, is that right? Yeah, about a year in. Yeah. How kind of high up on your agenda was dealing with all of the challenges that have been thrown out by COVID? Did it feel like a kind of priority and something that you needed to get to grips with quite early in the role? It didn't, actually, no. Everyone in the team that I now manage was in the flow of working from home. Mm. Everyone was doing it really well. They were very productive and so it didn't feel like a challenge. And because I because I started managing a team that I used to sit within, mm. I already had a relationship with each person in the team. So it didn't feel like I was sort of on the outside working from home, I didn't know anybody. Those relationships were already there and everything had already been set up and was working really well. So I think, in a way, I had it quite easy compared to some. Perfect. So did you have to do anything to kind of put your stamp on flexible working arrangements, or do you feel like they were already pretty well embedded, or did you do anything to kind of set up with your team, this is how we're going to do things? Yeah, I did a little bit. I guess when I came into the role, we got into a more regular routine of coming in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The pandemic did then hit again and stopped that. But, um, yeah, there are a few things in... I changed a few meetings that we had. So in the in the beginning of the pandemic, we'd have a morning meeting every single morning, five days a week for 15 minutes just to catch up with everyone. Mm. When I came into the role, after maybe a month or so, I felt like it was too much. Mm. And not that <laughs> you can have too much time, you know, um, interacting with your team, but it just felt a bit like we were really having to, like, think of things to say yeah. and... I think we've all been in those morning meetings where everyone's a little bit scared of the agenda. (laughs) Just like dragging things out of people and talking about things for the sake of it. And I sort of felt like all that could lead to a little bit of, not micromanagement, but being too in people's faces and too asking like, how's it going? So what's changed in the last eight working hours? Yeah. And so I cut that down to three, um, three meetings a week in the morning. And now that we're back in the office, I might look at that again. Mm. Um, we're sort of starting to get back into a more routine of coming in two days a week. And it might be two face-to-face meetings a week instead of yeah. three virtual ones or a mix between the two. So, yeah, there's been a little bit of adjustments, but generally things have, 
had been pretty smooth. Great. So I think this touched on a really interesting point because obviously we've worked through COVID. I know that the situation is different around the world and, you know, various um, pockets of our listeners might be in places where COVID is still having a really big big impact. But in the UK, thankfully, we are moving towards a more um, hybrid working solutions going forward. Things like the four day week, potentially we're trialling here, you know, all sorts of things. You would love that. All sorts of things that, you know, we we are trialling as a country, as organisations about what we can do to make flexible working more permanent going forward. You mentioned the meetings there that you have been kind of changing. Yeah. Has there anything else happened kind of that has, has anything else that was maybe set up during COVID now as we're emerging into a more virtual world? As a manager, is there anything else that you've had to kind of adapt and change or be aware of? I think sometimes when having particularly I'm sure we'll touch on this more later on but virtual one-to-ones I found similarly to we were talking about the day-to-day meeting I feel like sometimes I'm sort of dragging things at people and saying so how are you really doing and having had some virtual and some face-to-face now I think people are way more open to talking in a face-to-face environment and the, my one-to-ones will last way longer mm. than when we're on the phone yeah absolutely so I think that's the big difference and I sort of wonder how other meetings I sort of don't realise are impacted by being virtual yeah definitely so I think this is a really good point at which to bring in our HR expert Sarah who is a director of people and organisational development thank you so much for appearing on the new managers club podcast today thank you for inviting me you excited to be here very very excited (laughs) fab okay so do you think, in your experience, is it the case that face-to-face is always better than virtual when it comes to these things like one-to-ones and meetings? How do you kind of manage that where we're moving towards more face-to-face solutions in a world that has been really primarily virtual? I think it's always a mistake to try and apply a one-size-fits-all solution when you're dealing with people and teams. Um, People are different, your teams are different, how they'll want to work together is different. Um, And it's about trying things out and seeing what works. There is a school of thought that says that you can't collaborate virtually. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I have seen that those moments that really matter tend to happen more often when you're face to face Mm. um, because there are so many nuances around just how someone's looking, someone's body language, all of those different elements that you pick up on that we we do as human beings um, that we don't even realise we're doing. Mm. Um, So I don't think that you should think about saying there is one way to do this or one way not to do it. But read your team, see what works, try things out. Mm. Would you recommend kind of personalising an approach on things like virtual versus face-to-face for each individual member of your team? Or do you think it's quite important to set standards for a team as a whole? This is going to be one of the big challenges that managers face because people will adapt to hybrid working differently. Some people will prefer to be in the office environment. Some people will virtually be pulled in kicking and screaming and not want to be in the office at all. Yeah. And Molly is nodding like she knows. <laughs> that, that actually is a, you know, to me is a completely different question about why, you know, why do you hate your workplace so much? What are we not doing as employers to say, why don't you like coming here? Because there is a lot to be said 
for both. Mm. You know, a, an element of, of working at home is great for certain type of productivity and working in a team, working in your group in the office is great for elements of collaboration and other types of productivity. But I would be wary of giving too much individual flexibility um, as a manager because you will probably end up giving yourselves headaches possibly um, you know start with what's going to work for the team and the business ultimately you know you're having to meet the goals of the business that's your role as a leader in the organization so look at what you need to do there and what's going to work there and see how you can weave in that element of flexibility but it is very much a two-way conversation um, sometimes if you accommodate things too much then it can just lead to real headaches mm -hmm. um, but it is going to be a huge challenge that's really interesting actually because that's something that i've experienced recently i would really like people in my team to come in on a tuesday and thursday but that's not necessarily what they want to do and sort of dictating when they should and shouldn't be in is a challenge in knowing when when it's time to sort of put your foot down and say no actually we'll all benefit from us all being in the same place on the same day mm. and when is when are you being too inflexible how far do you go i think again that is you know it's a really good question and i think it's a quandary that many managers will face and i think it's important to say at this point that we are at a real turning point in terms of the way that we work and the way things um, are done as um, businesses and as w our working lives. We haven't had a catalyst for change like this for probably a couple of hundred years and it's really important that we don't just say it's too difficult and we're just going to go back to how it was before because no one wants that either. Um, so I think we've got to try things, I think we've got to be brave and especially as emerging leaders in organisations You've got to be brave. We almost owe this to the future generations of workers to get this right. But we can't get it right overnight. It's a huge change. And, you know, we've been doing it for, what, three months, four months, really? Mm. You know, we've, we've, we've tried it, but we've had to go back into lockdown. We've, we've done things that we thought were going to work, but we've had to go back into lockdown. Yeah. And so there hasn't been a continuous period of, of sort of trying this out. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes when you've got an idea in your mind as a manager, like I'd like to be my, my team to be in on a Tuesday and a Thursday, mm -hmm. maybe start by asking yourself why. Yeah. Why do I feel that that is important to the team? Actually, if my aim is that I want to bring the team together once a week, yeah. then why don't I just say, look, our one day, our one line in the sand day is a Tuesday yeah. or a Thursday or a Wednesday, whatever it might be. And we're going to have a team meet on that day and we're going to really get some value out of that. Other than that, we can flex around that yeah, and, I you like know, that. have a sort of. But I think it really is very important to keep asking ourselves why. Why? Yeah. why. And when someone says, you know, I don't want to come into the office at all, I want to work from home all of the time, why? Talk to me about why. Mm. And by having these honest and open conversations with your people, that will continue to build that trust element. Yeah. And one of the key things, I think, in making this successful is the trust and the psychological safety element. Yeah. Uh, your people have to feel confident about coming to you and saying, I've got a bit of a challenge today. I might need to flex things a bit. Mm. 
that's really where the value of hybrid working is going to come in. Mm. And, you know, this switch to managing people by outcomes rather than whether they're at a desk from nine to five and yeah. all of this sort of thing. In some ways, we've learned a lot about that during lockdown. But in some ways, we're still back there. And it's going to be the challenge for emerging leaders in the business to really face up to the dinosaurs who want to micromanage people and who yeah. want to say, well, you know, if I can't see you, then obviously I can't trust your working. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I have a couple of questions which I'm going to really hastily scribble down to make sure that I don't forget any of them because um, there's a lot that you said there that's really interesting. Um, I think my first question is about this, something that you mentioned around setting new standards, you know, setting a precedent, setting a procedure maybe for what virtual or hybrid working looks like and then having to adapt continually. Maybe over the last year or so, it's been constantly kind of emerging and then going back into lockdown. And that has had a really big impact, I think, on what managers have been able to do with their teams. Because one of the things that I think is most important for a manager is to be consistent, is to say, you know, this is what I believe and this is what I think is really important for us and not continually kind of flip-flop or, you know, a new project, a new idea, a new this, a new that, you know, have that magpie thing of always changing focus. How, as a manager, do you make sure that you are really adaptable to change? Because I'm sure more change is still on the horizon, even if it doesn't look like COVID, but whilst keeping those kind of consistent values or consistent kind of message or motivation in your team. Maybe the way to approach it, if you're concerned about that, is to think about what your core values are as a business and as a team um, and talk about you know what your non-negotiables are mm. what are the points of hybrid working on which you are absolutely non-negotiable and it might be out of your control because it could be that you're in an organization where um, you know HR or different um, leadership levels are dictating an element of those but hopefully if you're you know a really talented leader in a really forward-thinking organization you've got an element of flexibility so I would come up with your non-negotiables and be really honest with the team being you know being um, being a good leader and being an ethical leader doesn't mean that you can't show that you are vulnerable and that actually you're not going to have all of the answers all of the time. Mm. Um, if you approach this with your teams with honesty and say, look guys, this is going to be something we're going to be trying. And mm. these are my non-negotiables. Yeah. These are the things as a team mm. I really want us to stick to. And the reason yeah. for that is values, integrity, whatever it might be that is the driver for your team and your organisation. But then think around, what is it actually that we can negotiate on? What is it that we can be flexible about? Because quite often we tell ourselves these things are really important and not, not to pick on Molly, but to come back to your <laughs> point about, you know, with, you are a really good leader, you know, you're very fair, you're very open and flexible. Molly but, is blushing. But... Even you found yourself saying, I want my team to be in the office Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, but why? Exactly. And it keeps coming back to the why. And there is a process called the five whys. And, you know, it doesn't have to be overly technical. But actually, sometimes the power of why, you know, why do mm. I think that? Why am I saying that? Why am I doing that? Why do my team want that? Mm. 
And getting to the bottom of it and having those really open discussions again will continue to build that trust. As a leader, you don't have to have all of the answers, you don't have to get it right all of the time, and as our guru Brené says, you know, the power <laughs> of vulnerability, showing that actually you are brave enough to try something and say, do you know what, I don't think that's working, why don't we try and do it differently? Shows your team that then you've got that open-minded approach where they can do the same thing, and you can try stuff out and, you know, for every success, you're going to have a number of failures. And I'm, I'm just really passionate that we don't just say this is too difficult mm-hmm. and we don't do it. Yeah. It's not going to be something we can apply a one size fits all solution. I'm asked so often, well, what is the ultimate answer for hybrid working? I'm really sorry if I had that. I'd be with my feet up in Barbados right now. There isn't one. There isn't one. It is about individuals because people aren't, you know, people aren't a policy. People aren't a solution. People are people and things change and things happen. And, you know, who knows what's going to hit us next? We've had pandemics. We've had wars. We've had goodness knows what. Who knows what's coming next? And Mm. we have to be able to react to that. Yeah, definitely. Can I ask, just because I know... I, I have friends who have been forced back into the office four or five days a week. And so leaders in those organisations where they don't necessarily believe what's being fed down about being in the office, but they've got a lot of sort of like rally the team to come into the office and be really excited about their work. How would people in that situation approach it? Should they approach it with honesty and say, actually, I don't agree with this, but we've got to do it anyway? Or should they sort of use their position to try and influence up? There's, and I think there's an element of that definitely. You know, why, again, why do organisations say people need to be in the office? Mm. What is behind that? And trying to, to sort of gently manage up and find out why is really helpful. I don't necessarily feel that it's really helpful to you as a manager if you set yourself completely aside from what the organisation believes. If mm. the organisation is saying... Um, our rule is five days in the office. And, you know, if you don't like it, you can vote with your feet, can't you, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, if you put yourself out there as a, well, I don't like it, guys, but we've just got to do it. Mm. It can create a little bit of disconnect yeah. because ultimately you are responsible for being a leader in the organisation and leading the beliefs of that organisation. If you don't align to the values and beliefs of the organisation, then you ask yourself the question, am I in the right place? Mm. Um, So I would say that, you know, one, yeah, you're right, trying to manage up. And again, that's going to be a big challenge for emerging leaders. You're going to try and manage up manage sideways and manage down with people who've got very different beliefs and some people are still wedded to this idea that we've got to be in the workplace nine to five monday to friday but those will become less and less because people have a choice and they'll go you know what i don't want that yeah but for some people actually it works yeah for some people it's right you know and there are some big organizations like instagram google um who have said we are going to go back to working in the office five days a week how that works out for them in the future, I don't know. Um, these decisions always very were highly publicised, 
but when it doesn't work out they tend to go very quiet don't they yeah I think I suppose the role of the manager there is to as to your point work out the why and then look at what they can do to maintain high levels of motivation and productivity within those parameters which unfortunately they might not have the agency to change at the moment but they can do things to positively influence their team in the meantime talking about organizations that are going back to five days and you know whatever you set as being the right thing for your organization is completely up to you we work in a a fairly creative field where we do have a lot of flexibility which is great but i appreciate that a lot of organizations won't have that same you know level of flexibility but i think what is universally felt is that we don't want to go back to the way we were only focusing on hours spent not focusing on productivity and i know that was a debate that was kind of rumbling on pre-covid but it was definitely i think it was that covid was a massive catalyst for it do you think that there's a risk that we could go back to that with more face-to-face working coming in potentially five days might be two days whatever it is are we at risk of reverting back to pre-covid times and if we are what can we as managers do to make sure that doesn't happen there's always a risk um, you know, there are um, a number of leaders out there that do still have very traditional views about the workplace um, and believe that there is a way of delivering things. But I think the the voice of emerging managers, people within the workplace, and it's not to do with age, it's not to do with time of life necessarily I think it's universal but you know there are more people that believe in the power of flexibility and eventually if we we keep at it and we keep acknowledging that it's an emerging thing and we have to be agile um, then it will work it's it's going to take a while Mm. but I think to have to reverse it completely is going to be difficult for organisations to do because the job market is very buoyant. You know, mm. people can just say, this is not for me, I'm going to go and work somewhere that gives us that. And we find that from candidates and research that we've we've sort of had access to, that candidates are saying that the number one thing they're looking for in new roles is that flexibility. So um, senior leaders who don't necessarily appreciate the benefit of it If you want talented people in your organisation, you're going to have to open your eyes to the fact that they're going to want something. The days that the the balance of power has shifted to the employee, Mm. which is no bad thing. We've got to make sure we don't misuse that power. Yeah. But it's no bad thing. And it hopefully means that we can make everything more meaningful for us as, as a working Um, solution rather than it all being employer driven absolutely so i do just want to say a big thank you to everyone who submitted questions via our instagram for sarah today and if you do want to follow us on instagram it's at new managers club make sure you follow us there to keep up to date with all of the latest information and have a chance to have your say in our episodes so one question that we have had and i'm picking up on this because you mentioned about the jobs market so one of our instagram followers hannah has asked do you have any suggestions for creating or building rapport with new team members when remote talking about the kind of buoyant jobs market this is a challenge that probably quite a lot of managers are going to be feeling of either recruiting for or bringing on new hires if you are in a situation where you have to do that virtually is there anything you can do to kind of ease that process and still get to know someone which obviously is is i think a bigger challenge when you're doing it at a distance as opposed to you know having face-to-face office time yeah i think it it depends on what the model of working is if it's you know, and there are organisations that that were 
pre-pandemic and will still be completely remote. Um, and they will probably have their own ways of, of dealing with this. Um, but I think if you can, try and mix it up. Yeah. Try and make sure that you pick the moments that work um, for that person to be in the office. So, you know, day one, maybe coming in to pick up your kit, coming in to get oriented with the rest mm. of the organisation. Um, if there are team meetings and things, try and pick the moments at which you can bring them in. If you can't do anything face to face then there's still a lot you can do um, and one of the most important things is the regular check-in um, make sure that your check-in includes an element of personalization uh, put the human back into it it doesn't just have to be about objectives and actions and what you're doing maybe have five minutes at the beginning or five minutes at the end to ask them about them ask them about what's happening in their life because sometimes that can give you a really good indicator of performance issues or what might be happening Um, the other thing that you can do is within team meetings you can use different icebreakers one I use a lot is um, something called two truths and a lie it's really simple but it's really quite funny for getting people to actually come up with those really unusual facts about themselves that you might have thought never have known that but actually it gives you that connection with them then because you can say so how is the taxidermy going (laughs) Um, and you can just talk to them about it and it just brings that element of personal connection that's the key thing it's creating that it is more difficult virtually because you haven't got that in the room body language thing but you know simple things like cameras always on yeah um you know, trying to make sure that everyone has a contribution in team meetings. Um, but if you can, when you do bring people into the office together, try and work on something as a team. Try and do something that really gives you that opportunity to build that that team structure. Because as a leader, you can take a slight step back and look at what your different strengths are within your team. Mm. You know, who's the natural leader? Who's the one who's got the great ideas but always hangs back a bit? Who is the person that pulls everyone together? You'll normally have different types of roles emerging. So having that activity can be really useful. So you talked there about the kind of varying roles within a team and the different things that you have to be a bit of a mind reader as a manager maybe. But also something I know that you're very passionate about is kind of the different roles within being a manager all the various things that sit under the kind of manager job title, which I know you're not a huge fan of, but it's called lots of other things, leader, coach, mentor. There's so many other kind of ways we can describe what we do as managers. What to you is the most kind of important role within management that we should be focusing on as we emerge into a more hybrid world? I think it, regardless of what sort of working patterns and what sort of... um, working life you are in I think as a leader of people you owe it to them to help them become the best they can be or the best they want to be obviously you can't force someone Um, but we we owe it to people to treat them with respect and an element of kindness Um, we owe it to them to be honest Um, and I think that you know we we do have to lead the way people will look to us for the behaviours 
and will think, right, okay, so that's what I should be doing. So it's a really tough one. There are so many roles, and I think the danger is that you become a manager and you've all already got all of your day job stuff to do, and then they, people just think, oh, I'll just add the manager title. That's all right, nothing will change, it'll be all right. It's not like that at all. You know, you've got a lot to do in terms of having that one-to-one -one connection with people, developing them, ensuring you're getting the best out of them, coaching them, leading them. Um, but what I am really a, a real sort of um, believer in is that you should not become their parent. Mm. We are family is not something that I would be singing at work. <laughs> that is my biggest red flag. You know, when you see uh, on like a job ad, not that mm. I'm looking for new jobs, but when it says, you know, we're like a family here. It's a family environment. No, it's not. I don't want to work with my family. No, who does? Well, I mean, <laughs> some people do because, you know, it works very well for some people. Yeah, if I had like a cute little family-owned bakery, but I don't want to yeah. be in the corporate world with my family. <laughs> no, no, and we shouldn't be, you know. Family and home, as much as they have become blurred over the last two years, they are different. And, yeah. you know, don't try and parent your people. Know when to signpost them to help that is appropriate. Know when you're out of your depth, you're not a counsellor, you're not their mum, not, you're not their dad, you're not there to help them, um, you know, get out of certain scrapes they may have got themselves into. Um, and so, you know... Be mindful of your role as a manager and not as a, a parent, I guess. I've worked in organisations where the culture is very paternalistic and it just leads to managers getting involved in all sorts of personal issues with their employees that probably isn't helpful or appropriate. Mm. You employ adults, you know, you have adults in your team, so that's, that's what you want to be working with. Okay, so that is absolutely great advice i think it's something that's quite challenging at a time when we're also being asked as managers to be involved in well-being and making sure that people's mental health is you know where it should be and making having those check-ins on a kind of personal level as well molly do you do anything to kind of set boundaries around that to make sure that you don't get too involved or take too active of a role in things that maybe is not appropriate for you to be getting involved in i tend to try and like set the tone as in i'll share no more than what I would like to be shared with me but there might be a better way of doing that Sarah. I think it's difficult because your your teams will all have different boundaries um, within you know our teams I manage a team and I know that some people in the team do not want to talk about anything in their personal lives at all some people in the team are happy to tell you everything um, so I think be clear with yourself what your boundaries are. Be mindful that if you've got someone in your team who doesn't want to really talk about things, as long as you feel that everything's okay and, and there isn't an underlying problem, then, you know, okay, that's, that's going to set the tone for our one-to-ones. We might have a little bit of a chat about what's going on, but, you know, right, let's get back to work. Um, if you are dealing with someone who wants to share everything, again, it's about being quite firm within, say, a one-to-one -one situation and saying, right, okay, well, that's, you know, very interesting. Thank you for, you know, that's, that's good. I'm glad everything's going well with you. Um, anyway, so your objectives, your actions or whatever, it can be really tough. And I don't know that there is a perfect answer, but <clears throat> it's about just, I guess, thinking to yourself, what am I willing to do? How far am I willing to go? 
But once it starts to emotionally affect you, maybe that's the time to say, I think maybe we need to signpost you to perhaps some help. Um, you know, hopefully in your organisations you might have something like a, an employee support scheme, you might have mental health first aiders, you know, use those people to help. I think when it gets, when you feel out of your depth, then you're out of your depth. And if you find yourself getting too involved, check in with yourself and say, hang on a minute, you know, am I doing the right thing here? Mm. Um, but there isn't a, a right or wrong answer to that. And well, that's probably, a relief. <laughs> if I had all the answers to this, <laughs> all of these quandaries, then... I thought that was why we got you on the podcast. Oh, oh no, I feel misled. I've been missold. Um, no, actually, one thing that I want to ask you about building on that is you talked about um, managers that might be in organisations where they don't feel fully supported by their business or by a HR function, they might not even have one. Is there anywhere else that managers can go for support if they are feeling a bit lost with some of these challenges or they need some advice about how to best approach things? Obviously, this podcast is trying to do some of that, but you know, we don't have all the answers. Is there anywhere else that you would recommend people turn? Well, I think there's there are things that you can do and things that are really useful to you in your personal development as um, a leader anyway. Um, you know, have you got a mentor? Um, mentors can be a great solution in terms of just enabling you to chat things through talk about different approaches um can you find yourself a coach coaches don't necessarily have to be sort of paid for professional mm. they have to, sorry they have to be professional <laughs> so wouldn't we but they don't necessarily have to be paid for resource sure you know some people will give their time as coaches um to emerging leaders talk to other managers get yourself a good network this sort of resource this sort of podcast is great if i'd had this sort of thing available to me when i was first becoming a manager it would have been fantastic just to be able to hear what other people are saying and know that there are all sorts of different opinions out there and that you're not alone also make friends with hr you know, if you have a HR team, you <laughs> you know, that HR might be a bit challenging. You, if you don't, yeah, that might be a bit tricky. But there are lots of HR-based resources. There's a really great series on TED Talks um, around different people challenges. And they're, they're about six to eight minutes long. Um, they're not a TED Talk. They're actually a, a, a presentation by someone. But there's some really interesting resource there around you know, how to deal with certain challenges. Um, but yeah, if you have got an HR team, make friends with them. We are very nice. We're very approachable. <laughs> um, you know, and, and just talk to them about your quandaries. Not necessarily that you're expecting them to solve it for you, but, you know, what's your advice? How would you do this? What are the different approaches? What resource can I access? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. That's great advice. Thank you very much. So you've touched there on the importance of personal development. In your opinion, what do you think is the most important thing that managers need to be upskilling themselves on right now? There isn't any one thing. It is very different depending on the profession you're in, where you are. Uh, you know, you may have CPD that's really tied into um, your role and tied into your qualification. So obviously that has to come into play. But I think one of the key things to do as a manager is to think about how you lead, what you want your leadership style to be, um, and finding that balance between authenticity and you know being the leader that you aspire to be. I'm not necessarily a believer in fake it till you make it. It, it can be good, but it can leave you feeling quite stressed. Um, I'm much 
more in favour of people just saying, actually, I don't know how to do that. Can you help me do it? Um, but I think embracing the new newer ways of supporting hybrid working. So if your company, for example, has an annual appraisal system, nothing perhaps that you can do about that, but introduce regular one-to-ones, regular check-ins, look at you do some reading on what the sort of the modern thinking around hr is think about your people in some ways as your customers um you know a lot of hr um, teams mine included work in a sort of marketing model customer experience employee experience um so i think just get yourself really confident that the way you want to lead is is doable because mm. it is um, that, but there's lots of resource out there to help you with that. Um, I think just keeping your mind open, being open to change and open to difference and remaining brave, standing firm. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone who is wanting to find out more about their own leadership style and how they can work through that should check out the previous episode of this podcast. What kind of leader do we want to be? Lots of helpful resources and tips in there for anyone that is wanting to answer that question in a bit more detail. So one last question for you. So in your opinion, are we on the precipice of a new style of management? And if we are, what can we as managers do to make sure that we are at the forefront of that? Okay, so I am really excited about the changes that are ahead of us um, and the changes that we're going through at the moment. There is a great opportunity now to turn leadership around. Um, I have long been an advocate of strong leadership um, and fair respectful equal leadership um and you know the the thought that we can finally move away from that management of the 90s approach micromanaging um making people feel fear rather than excitement about coming into work um you know the the workplace stress that we we saw um in previous decades so i am really excited i think it is going to be challenging and if i could personally give everyone you know um a big hug and say it's gonna be all right it is gonna be okay but it's gonna be hard work and for you as emerging managers emerging leaders in your organizations you have got a tough job ahead of you but there's lots of support and there are lots of people who really believe in this align yourselves with those disregard those that that don't you know they are hopefully on the way out the dinosaur manager is plodding off into the distance um, and this new way of leading people is emerging um, you know you think about the changes that happened at the beginning of the, the sort of industrial revolution and how far we've come this is another pivotal time in that way and we will look back on this and go oh yeah do you remember what it was like pre-pandemic and post-pandemic but it's not going to happen unless we really believe it, unless we really work hard at it. Um, but be kind to yourselves, look after yourself, because in all of this, we haven't talked about looking after yourself. But do look after yourselves as well as your teams. Well, maybe we can invite you back for a future episode on how to look after yourself as a manager. I think that would definitely be something that our listeners would love to hear about. I hope we'll be welcoming you back very soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to have you. You're welcome. So, Molly, lots to digest there. In some ways, it sounds like there's never been a better time to be a manager, though I think we are now well aware of some of the challenges that we might face ahead. 
Are you excited about the next kind of six months coming back into a more hybrid world? How are you feeling about it personally from your own experiences and kind of what you'll be focusing on? I'm really excited. I think particularly hearing that from a HR expert that things are really changing. It's not just like in our environment, like, but the wider picture, things are changing and things will be more flexible because who doesn't, who doesn't want to work in a more flexible, fun environment with a different type of leadership? And I think it's in some way a little bit of pressure, like, oh my God, we are sort of coming through with this new change and we've got to get it right. But um, having that opportunity to come through with that is so exciting. Yeah, I completely agree. So lots of exciting times ahead and we will obviously be here bringing new episodes every fortnight to help you overcome some of the challenges that we are facing. But it sounds like there are so many opportunities ahead for us as managers to really lead this forefront of a new age of leadership. And I think it is quite important to focus on the word leader there because I really do think that that encapsulates a lot of what Sarah was saying about the role that managers will be taking as we go forward. And that might sound a bit overwhelming, like there's a lot on our plates which are already looking pretty full, but I know that we can do it. I know that all of the listeners who are tuning in today are invested in becoming better managers, better leaders, and that is already a fantastic start to becoming a manager who is at the forefront of this next wave of change. So speaking of learning and development, as you may know by now, we do share a resource at the end of every episode that we have learned from this week to give you guys some inspiration for your own upskilling. It is Molly's turn to share what she's learned from this week. So I will hand over to you, Molly, to do that. Cool. This week, the thing that I learned from was actually a TikTok. Oh, okay. so much from TikTok, but this particular... Um, video that I saw was about getting some perspective at work which I feel like I really need at the moment okay you know you're just sort of getting a bit lost in the deep end you're busy 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 like all the time more tasks sort of coming at you and you sort of lose sight of like why did like why did I want this priorities priorities yeah what doing because getting some clarity instead of getting wound up in the little things and she was basically saying that you're not your job you're paid by a company to solve a problem that they're having, a solution that they need, but you are not those problems. Mm. You don't have to internalise that. And if you can't or don't fix those problems, that's not you. That's not a reflection on your worth or value. And just sort of creating a bit of a space between who you are as a person and what you're being paid to do at work. They're two very separate things. And she talks about how when you first join a job, you have so much perspective. You can see, because you've you've come sometimes from a different company or if it's your first job sort of starting out, you can see quite clearly what things need to change, what's being done well and what's not. But as you work for a company for a long time, you can lose that perspective. But she talks about just remembering that you're being paid for a service here and not to attach your value to that. And that, for me was really helpful not in a way that I don't care about what I'm doing quite the opposite and it really I found it really motivating Mm. like okay what are the bigger picture problems here that I can be solving instead of getting wound up in the small bits so yeah that was my learning this week I think that's probably a symptom of caring too much not caring not not caring enough because it can be really easy to when you're passionate about what you're doing to feel like that is your whole life and that's your focus and particularly when you become a manager because there is so much to look at and your job role really does go through a massive 
period of change so yeah. I think that sounds like a really important lesson thank you so much for sharing that I will put a link to that TikTok in the show notes so you can go and check it out though it sounds like Molly's already paraphrased the most important bits which is great so if like me you are a dinosaur when it comes to TikTok then don't worry you haven't missed out too much so what's next we will be back in a fortnight with a brand new episode but in the meantime do follow us on social media at new managers club on instagram to make sure you don't miss any of the action thank you again to everyone who submitted their questions for today's episode hope you found lots of helpful answers today We'll also be sharing plenty of resources, tips and videos on our Instagram account to keep your leadership skills tip top. In the meantime, keep smashing it managers. No talked about some of the difficulties that we're facing today, but we are already a third of the way through 2022. Can you believe that? We're in March and there are so many exciting things ahead. Spring is here and I don't know about you, but I think we could all use a little bit of rejuvenation and a bit of sun, a bit of daylight. So hopefully you guys are feeling raring to go for the months ahead. And until then, we will see you in our next episode. Bye for now. Bye.